Hey guys, and welcome back to Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Waitley. And Marcus D. And the very first thing we want to do is give a big shout out to our newest patron, Bonnie. Thank you so much, Bonnie, for signing up. We really do appreciate it. We always appreciate when anybody wants to show their support to us, whether it's a like, a comment, a review, however you guys want to do it. Yeah, I like I like those. I really like the shares, though. <laughs> yeah, we, we have, if, if there's something you guys can do to really help us out, it is share our content. That way, we that way more of a more people can actually hear our message and stuff. <sighs> All right. Uh, do, do we have any comments from last time? Yeah, let's let's delve into this episode. Uh, we want to delve into some comments that you guys had from our last episode, the Gates of Hell episode. Uh, a little bit more of adult. Uh, yeah, so, that, super uh, sorry for not getting the the not safe for work thing up till like halfway through. Yeah, I, it was really weird that we didn't see that coming. Like, but we usually don't we usually don't handle information quite that dark. It was yeah. that one went a little darker than normal. All right, but that was our bad. But um, uh, the first comment that we want to do comes to us from "What's wrong with you, man?" Awesome, great group of comedians that I do know. Uh, they actually gave a recommendation for our, uh, the names of our fans. So for those of you guys that are just tuning in now, or you missed, uh, last week's episode, we're trying to come up with a name for our fan base. And we thought the best thing that we could do is have you guys give us suggestions and then we'll take the best suggestions and put them up as a poll. Did you say for those of you who are just tuning in now, we're just starting the podcast. Everyone's just I, tuning in now. Well, I... <laughs> No, I, I get what you're saying. You're, I, get, I get what you're saying. Picking on me. Anyway, <laughs> yep. back to the comment. Thank you very much. Uh, from what's wrong with you, man? Uh, what's wrong with you, man? Suggested shadow spirits. I like that. Like, hey, all you shadow spirits out there. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I'm gonna keep that. I'm definitely gonna keep that one around. Uh, Death Knight. Death Knight's comment from our last episode was talking about it. He said, you guys make a good point. So many gates to hell and ways to open them and not many gates to heaven. Uh, but maybe look at it differently. Gates to the other side or paradise. And for names, here's a few. One Candlers, the Candlers, the Whisperers. Ooh, I like that one. You know, as far as like gates to the other side, though, there's one that we didn't talk about that I had considered that was a gate to purgatory. Why would anybody want to go to purgatory? Um, I don't know. That just sounds like you're just like sitting around like at the DMV. Like it's like, mainly a spiritual passage or passage to train priests. I think that's about all it's used for right now. But I still thought that was kind of a neat idea. Huh. Oh, and as far as the names, I really am liking whispers. Whispers, whispers, definitely so far is one of our favorites. Absolutely, really like that one. Yeah. Uh, the next comment comes to us from Frank, who I bet didn't think that we were going to respond to this. <laughs> Frank said, it would be really nice to actually tell the story instead of just talking nonsense. Well, Frank, you've been a subscriber for a while, so mm -hmm. we're going to get back to you. Um, the side details of the story were way more interesting in, than the story, so we kind of ended up focusing on that. But sorry for us not being a little more focused on that part. We'll try to keep that in mind for next time. Sorry, sure. man. Sure. 
K Bennett two five eight seven uh, said this might sound weird, but if the bridges are over water, also given the sexual reproduction organ being missing, I would put money that this cult is into taking the sacred feminine power into themselves. Water has always been a symbol of the primal energies of Mother Earth. Plus, given ancient such as the Holy Grail, uh, as well as the Eye of Odin, and also the Greek story of Zeus consuming Metis, their first wife, to gain the power of the divine feminine. I fear this cult might be doing it right where they might actually consume parts of the woman to gain the power uh, of the feminine. Well, unfortunately, the they're not over water. Neither of the two bridges where, that they were found between are. But I think you might be right about, like, there definitely being an aspect of the sacred feminine, and I would not put it past these guys to be consuming them. I would think if that is their goal, to, like, gain the power of the sacred feminine, wouldn't it be easier to just, like, be to listen to, like, a Dolly Parton album? Or uh, something from McIntyre? Uh, instead of being a terrible, horrible person! I would prefer for people to be doing that, but in a mystical sense, not... I don't think that's quite going to cut it. A prop, maybe not. But I think it would be a better way about going to do it <laughs> than being a horrible person. No, no, definitely. By definitely. sacrificing women to the gates of hell. Man, don't don't worry. I'm not condoning their behavior. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're trying to do some sort of sacred rite, I don't think Reba McIntyre, talented lady, is going to cut it. Don't you dare talk about Reba McIntyre. She is a painted saint of country music, sir. Take that back right now. Dude, her stuff's good. That's right. It is good. It's very empowering. I didn't think you listened to Reba McIntyre. Of course I listened. What? Painted Don't Let Me Down? That's one of the best That's one of the best songs ever. Uh, it is really good. Yeah. Did, did she do um, The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia? Yes. Okay, yeah. I, I actually like that one yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, Uh All right. This took a weird turn pretty quick. Uh... Do, do we have any more comments that we're covering? No, I, don't, I think that's all the comments that we're going to cover for for, t for this for this episode so far. Okay, so far, really leaning towards whispers, but guys, keep sending in different uh, different names that you might want to be yeah, called. I was kind of sold on Shadow Spirits, too. But yeah, if you guys have ideas for the names of our fan base, just put it in the comments below or send it to us however that you guys want to reach out to us. And, you know, we're going to take the best ones and put up a poll. Yep, looking mm -hmm. forward to that. All right, I think it is time to get into our episode for today. Okay, like guys, topic. it's it's going to get weird today. We're, <laughs> we're 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 tackling a weird subject. Yes, we yes we are. Now I had known about this subject for a while, and I was super excited when we got the opportunity. Oh yeah, I've kind of wanted to do something on this for some time. Mm -hmm. Today we're going to talk about the Argentinian gnome and some stuff on just gnomes in general. Yeah. But uh, for those of you that have never heard of the Argentinian gnome, like when this topic first took off, like I think it became kind of a worldwide phenomenon. People really started talking about this in 2008 when this video started circulating uh, around the internet of this group of teenagers at one o'clock in the morning in Argentina. They're sitting around, they're talking about some sort of fishing trip or some sort of trip that they were taking. And they're sitting around just kind of, you know, jaw jacking like, teenagers are going to do at one o'clock in the morning and then all of a sudden the, the the camera sort of like is shaky and it turns around and in this bushes is this like two and a half to three foot maybe not even three foot tall maybe like two foot two and a half foot tall shadowy creature with a 
with like frumpy clothes and like a giant pointy hat that's kind of like dancing in it, the street. It's it's pretty much the typical gnome hat yeah. if you know what I'm talking about. Which I at first thought was kind of weird. Like, how how are there gnomes with pointy hats in South America? Like when you think of most gnomes, you're thinking of like you know David the gnome, you oh. know like or the the car insurance gnome. I think there was one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, wait, no, the Travelocity gnome. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Travel, tra- yeah, and and just. When, when when you think of them, you don't you don't really think of them like down in South America, but it's actually a fairly common thing down it's, there. It's apparently, kind of a thing. Yeah, it's it's a fairly it's a fairly common thing down there for them. They call, they refer to them as the Dwinde or the Dwind. I've also heard of. I've heard it pronounced both, and they're described as these creatures that are generally one and a half to three foot, even at the most, creatures with frumpy clothes and a hat. Yes, yeah, just small-sized, um, broad-shouldered, mm-hmm. stocky build, uh, wearing clothing. Usually, fairly typical clothing, kind of a almost a baggy sort of tunic shirt, mm-hmm. um, loose pants, boots, and a pointed hat. And it's, and I mean, and th- this is why it's going to be weird today, guys, because as comical and bizarre as this being a thing. There's a lot more to it than one would guess. Like, gnome sightings are prevalent all over the world. Like, I actually did not realize how far gnomish folklore stretched and how similar it was across multiple continents. Like, at first, when we were approaching this story, we thought that this was going to be a thing where we thought that, like, Scandinavian cultures brought, like, the concept of the gnome you know, to, to South America. Oh yeah. My original angle before starting the research was that it might've had something to do with Nazis fleeing to South America and bring this sort of folklore with them. But it turns out the South American folklore on gnomes is fairly similar to, you know, the European folklore on gnomes. And that's really weird. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the stories about them are very similar to European-esque stories involving gnomes. They're these trickstery, prankstery little critters that live out in the woods and in caves, and they do stuff like, you know, prey on people that are lost in the woods, or they harass you in your house or when you're walking around. Okay, so we got a lot of information on this. What do we want to hit up first? So the first thing that I want to hit up first is, so we're talking about the Argentinian gnome, and we're going to look at this at this video, do you, I want to talk about the, the original video that kind of like, I think, sparked people talking about this. Okay, let's start there and spiderweb out. Yeah. So the first thing that I want to ask is, do you, do you think that the original video from 2008 of the Argentinian Gnome, where it's just like jumping out of the wo- out of the bushes, do you think it's real? I'm not great at like analyzing video footage. I can do a little bit of it, but... I looked at it and nothing jumped out to me as being obviously faked. Maybe it could have been done using practical mechanics, like creating a false perspective to make it seem shorter or something like that. But the main thing that makes me think it might not be faked is that, well, it's so very strange. Like, there's such odd choices in it. Um, it looks so very on the nose <laughs> of being like something out of a fairy tale book. And if you're trying to stay something for like 
oh, I'm going to make a fake modern paranormal thing, you'd think you'd hit something with a broader sort of appeal instead of something just straight out of nowhere. And, like, like my approach is this. What's the motive of creating it at that point? There's no reason to think it's going to go viral. It's very odd, but I, it's yeah. not tuning in on any sort of frequency where you would assume it's going to gain a whole lot of ground. Yeah, it's like two... You know, it's like it's. This is 2008 when this has come out. I don't think most teenagers are thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna be a huge YouTube star by putting up a gnome." Uh, yeah, video. by putting up a gnome, by putting up a gnome video. I mean, in the most skeptics, when you look at the original video, they'll they'll tell you that, "Oh, you know, it's kind of like shaky cam footage, and it's all grainy and gritty, and you you don't get a very good a very good image of it." But in in its defense, in this video's defense, first of all. This is 2008, and by 2008, like, less than 10% of people worldwide owned cell phones. And, I mean, it's teenagers at 1 in the morning. What are you going to be? They're screwing around taking video footages of random and nothing. I mean, if they think about back around the time when I'm getting my first, this was, like, even a couple of years, I think, before I got my first uh, video camera. When we get our first, like, uh, cell phone, what do we do with it? We screw with it. You know, we download the weird apps for it. We call people in the same room going, look, I got a cell phone, you know? So I, I think it's believable that a kid screwing around might accidentally catch something kind of paranormal like that. Yeah, it's not too far out of the realm of belief. Now, I could it be faked? Maybe. Like, I'm not totally sure. I'm I mean, not, like I said, I'm not an expert you, on you, video imagery. You could actually maybe use a little person. Yeah, and then just use perspective to make them seem even smaller. Yeah. So I'm not saying that it's impossible to have been done either by CG or practical effects, but it's an odd thing to put that much effort in in that time period. It's weird to me, though, that the videos involving the Argentinian gnomes, because the other ones that pop up, because a few other videos pop up around like 2011, 2012, it's really weird that they all seem to follow this same sort of pattern where there's there's one video that, that jumps out. I mean, it's the most other popular video where some people, it's a person that's out on the side street at night, and there's a group of kids walking down the street, and they walk past, uh, they're passing a wall, and right when the wall ends, all of a sudden they take off, and you see like in the shadows like this essentially small, shadowy, gnomish creature that just sort of like looks out, and then it just goes back into the shadows. And I got an idea on what could be behind some of this, though. Hmm. Uh, gnomes have this f general fascination. This is generally cross-cultural. You can definitely find this in European folktales. You can find this in um, North American Indian folktales, um, where they have this fascination with watching children and like this idea where if they're going to reveal themselves, they'll usually reveal themselves to uh, younger people. That's true. And actually... Um the only other video that I really found that I really thought had any real merit to it was another one that was involving a bunch of teen girls, I do believe, there at school. I think this one is from 2012, also from Argentina. And they're, like, playing basketball, or they're, like, hanging out. There's, like, a dog nearby, and all of a sudden, from, like, a field... And this is during the day, which was kind of weird. This, like, small Yoda-esque-looking thing that's all shadowy from... That's dark from the background starts walking towards them, and they just take it off running. But what's really weird to me is is in all three of the videos that I just described, all of them in the same way. It's generally a group of kids. They're minding their own business. They see one of these things. 
it pretty much just pops up and goes boo and they book it and scream they are losing their minds like i've seen bigfoot videos <laughs> where people don't have this reaction i've seen shadow people videos where people do not have this kind of reaction to you know a ghost that may try to kill you and massive ape-like creature that can rip trees from the ground and people don't have that reaction i don't know there's something creepy about those tiny little guys i mean i don't know how i'd respond until i'd be in that situation but i, I would like to think i would remain in observant if it gets too close i'm gonna well, kick i'm just gonna start kicking like Okay, so most of the stories, though, from South America, though, involving gnomes, like just South America specifically, the most of the story just has these things that they'll either, A, they try to trick lost travelers, or they just harass kids and the elderly. Like, they just, they'll throw rocks at kids, or they'll beat up the elderly. And the ones, the, the Duende seem to be a little more mean-spirited than some of their international cousins. Like in many of the like European tales, they're not qu they're not consistently this bad. In some of the American Indian tales, it really depends on where you're talking about mm -hmm. because in some of them they're friendly, and some of them they're really really unfriendly. Yeah, like in most stories involving the Duende that I found from South America, they're all it's generally it's one of them that that you're encountering, and they're just generally just being sort of mean. And, and yet these people seem to have these have just this horrifying response of encountering. Though I'm feeling like if I see like a homeless Yoda that's wandering towards me, I'm just gonna punt the thing down the down the field. Like I'm sorry. Like I just I'm having trouble ex figuring out exactly where the fear is, or where it's coming from. I don't know. Like <sighs> creepy little things like that are kind of kind of spooky man i get it like the, these ultra like way too some the, the thing is like they're almost human i think that's part of the scare factor of it they're so close to being human and they're clearly not and it's probably a little bit of the uh cave cricket effect <laughs> where you know uh if usually if you try to spook a cricket it's just gonna run off but cave crickets will all move towards you when you do that and it generally disturbs things so this small thing coming at you, what's this doing? What's it, what's it planning? It's it's so it's so strange. It's so much like us, but it's not like us. I think it's a combination of all those things, like, and also remember they're being cut off by surprise. They're not going into this thinking they're going to see something. It's just it you're in. Them. Yeah, just imagine you're in the middle of doing like a daily chore. You're in the middle of doing laundry, and so you're you're just got done loading the laundry in. You get the washer turned on. You turn to your right. And boom, down the hallway is this tiny little person dressed like some sort of little weirdo with a pointed hat, and he's coming straight for you. I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of getting around now. Like physically, when you look at them, they don't look intimidating, but gnomes are supposed to be extremely stealthy, so they're probably coming literally out of nowhere. Um, like one of the stories that I found when I was doing some research, it was. Um, a guy, he was hearing like some thumping around in his kitchen at night and eventually gets up and goes and looks for it. And there's this little pale man, like just kind of on all fours, staring up at him. He's gnarled and uh, nasty looking and just looks at him and goes, go away. And the guy's 
terrified. <laughs> and I, I kind of get that. Like, mini golems in your kitchen <laughs> wrecking stuff up. <laughs> like, the, the worst actual story that I found of these things that I heard was, I don't know if it was from Mexico or if this one was from Argentina because I couldn't peg this one down specifically about the location, what it was. But it was a woman who, it was a, talking about a story in which I think one of their their daughters goes missing. And they they don't know what to do, so they appeal to a local town witch as to where their daughter may have turned up. And the witch essentially tells them that their daughter was taken by the Duende, one of them, and uh, th they bartered with the witch, and the witch ended up helping them locate where, where their daughter was, and then they bring the daughter back, and she was just a captive of one of these things for a few days. I wish I could have gotten more of that story as to what happened while she was like kidnapped by one of these, because I think it would definitely paint a picture, a better picture of their motives, of a count of, like, uh, of what they're really like. I mean, at least according to folklore, they're pretty good at kidnapping people, and they're pretty good at getting people lost. Like, really good like, at pick getting people lost. Are you familiar with uh, being pixie-led? Pixie-led? Wait, is that like... That sounds like a bad candy flavor. Okay. Like a pixie stick. Be being pixie-led, it's where you're in a familiar place, but suddenly you're lost. Even though there's, you should know exactly where you are. Or you're in an area where you haven't gone far from the trail... And suddenly, even though you've only taken a few steps, any sign of where you've been is gone. Or uh, being lost for hours in one acre of forest, where you should be able to just pick one direction and move and get right out. Uh, they're supposed to be able to make you uh, pixie-led. And there's, uh, that's not uncommon for these like fae type of creatures to have this sort of power. That, and that's where the term comes from, being pixie-led. I gotcha. I gotcha. But this is an ability that's often um, associated with, uh, with gnomes. The, the only weird motivating, like, other weird thing that was about, the, at least the Duende that I found, like, the ones like the, one, the ones from South America, and it might even explain a little bit more about as to why children seem to just, these teenagers seem to just have this, like, horrific fear of these things, is the story goes, at least with these particular gnomes, is, is that what they do is they come, they're kind of like a cautionary tale. They're like, but the thing is, is, like, they come to children at night, but they come to the children that like don't trim their toenails, and then they're gonna like I know then they're gonna like trim the toenail off. But then if they feel like it, they're just gonna take the whole toe. Okay, it's got like a weird like stroll Peter kind of like German cautionary tale. Oh, like like Der Grosser Man. Yeah, like kind of feel to it. Okay, uh, questions. Now, I have I wasn't familiar with this story, and I now yeah. have questions. So now that might explain why I'm taking off because you're like, like it's gonna take my toe. Okay, first, uh, no, I'm going to go with the other one. The, the, one of these questions is going to be way more than the other. What are they doing with the with the toenails? Maybe they use it as currency. That's that's still not a satisfying act, answer. And then, like, also, why cut it off? I guess just to kind of make the folktale a little more gruesome, I guess. And I guess. Like, but this makes a lot of sense because I found a story um, that didn't make much sense to me. Mm -hmm. And this makes the whole thing come into perspective. I, I was actually not going to tell this one because it just didn't really make sense. <laughs> but I didn't know about this part of the legend. Um, where a guy who was, he was remembering a story from when he was a kid. And when he was a kid, um, he was sleeping and he felt this weird uh, kind of pang in his uh, big toe. 
and he wakes up and looks down and there's this gnomish person at the foot of his bed with a knife and uh once he realizes he's been seen he starts to cut like he's going to try to cut the toe and the, he gets like a gouge into it and the kid jumps out of the bed and goes running out and gets his mom and sends him back in but he had a, a very real cut from it now if i'm thinking now if i'm thinking however like if some like you know little gnomish creature is going to take my toes i might take off for that like i might take off running for that like I just I don't know why some of these gnomes are just so mean. I don't. I think it kills the intimidation factor. I like the, I like the idea that you have no clue what they're coming at you for. <laughs> I think that makes them scarier. Like they're just, they're just born angry and mad. Well, I'm. Uh, here's one of the things I'm wondering. They're not consistently nice everywhere, but they do seem to be notably meaner in the South American folklore, and I'm kind of wondering at the why of that. Um, do you have I, any ideas? So the only theory, I got one theory. I, I have one theory. So mm, some, a lot of people think that they that they're just nature spirits. You know? Oh, can you jump in on this part? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The uh, the root of the word gnome it comes from a uh, Scandinavian alchemist named Parcelius, and uh, he's considered to be the father of modern taxonomy, which kind of blew my mind. And he was documenting not only local animals and stuff, he had a very good methodology for documenting like physical traits and things like that. He also documented the various spirits that makes the world work. And um, he's, I believe he's also where we take the uh, root word Udine from as well for the uh, water spirits. But he identified gnomes as being uh, one of the primary facilitating uh, entities of, of the earth. And making a lot of the natural functions run, and that, um, and he described them very similar to what modern gnomes are described to. There's very little bit of deviation there. Uh, the beard, the height, it's more or less all the same. But uh, he associated them with being this uh, pseudo spirit, pseudo physical thing, kind of placed them somewhere in between, that facilitated the functions of the earth and would become upset when uh, the earth was being misused and things like that. Well, again, if if you're talking about South America here. There's one of the 200,000 acres of the rainforest that's burned every day down there. So, I mean, if if you're thinking like that much of the earth is being destroyed every single day, then, yeah, that would probably piss me off, too. I'd be mad. I'd be angry, too. And even if we're not thinking of them as, like, the spiritual sense, like, they're just things that live out in nature, maybe it's a situation where... The area that they usually utilize to be elusive mm -hmm. is disappearing. And they might not be able to do a whole lot. I mean, most of the stories involving these things just have them either eat, you know, at least down in South America, at least have them, like, luring lost people away or they're throwing rocks or scaring people or moving stuff. Like, the only real abilities these things down in South America didn't have is they can, they're being said to be able to shapeshift and turn invisible. So if there's not a whole lot that they feel that they can really do, they might just be acting out. Yeah, for the most part, in most of the stories, gnomes are more going to screw with you, maybe get you lost, maybe kidnap you, but usually they're not like that physically harmful. Although they do say that um, they are deceivingly strong for their height. Now, in some of the American Indian tales, they're more threatening. Yeah. At least, like, they'll kind of get in swarms. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was talking to I was talking to Charles uh, a bit today, you know, and before this episode, and I'm because I'm trying to piece in my mind exactly as to why anybody would be afraid of these things. And he had told me that they had stories of 
of gnomes or these tiny people on the reservation and they're terrified of them. And I said, why would you be scared of these things? And he goes, oh, because they swarm you. <laughs> and that, I'm like, oh. That makes sense. Okay, I would be much more terrified of, you know, dozens of these things swarming me than maybe one rushing me. Like, I feel like I, I could take one. I do. I feel like if it's me or him, I feel like I could take one. A swarm, maybe not as much. And that height doesn't always determine very much. Do you feel like you could take a chimpanzee? No. I yeah. know where this and is you're, going. You're no, probably I, right. I you know. probably could not take a chimpanzee. I know. They're just straight muscle. Yeah, they are. They are very powerful. They're extremely aggressive. And they are. They know to go for certain vital areas. Eyes, nose, ears, balls. But I, I, I think... <laughs> but at least with stories of like... Of the ones from South America, mostly they tend to target, you know, <laughs> children and the elderly. So I don't really think that we're going to be seeing some sort of super ripped... You know, gnome that's going to be punch, you know, fighting above its weight class. I mean, I haven't found a solid litmus on exactly how strong they're supposed to be. Most tales just kind of allude to them being surprisingly strong or stronger than they should be. Uh, the closest thing I found was a small reference to um, some hunters seeing a deer drug away. And it, and they couldn't see the person dragging, and they kind of thought it might have been like some of the little people they had been hearing rumors of. And it, it does take some strength to drag a deer carcass. I want to know. This is bugging me. What's with the hat? Okay, I I was wondering this too, and I kind of have an answer for you. What is with the 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 giant pointy red hats? Like, okay, and although the the hats don't appear in every culture's telling of the gnomes it appears more often than you would think because i thought they were that was just limited to the european gnome but no it they, they occur they occur in the south american gnome right yeah and if you're trying to hide or least why would you wear a tall hat oh and uh, you hit it on the nose the reason for for the hats is it's okay at least according to the folklore it's supposed to be for camouflage and keep in mind they wear other colors than red but what the hell is the red coat on your head supposed to camouflage you as? I, I don't know. That just seems like a target. It's supposed to help them blend in as being like forest mushrooms and bl blend in like with grass if you have a green hat and things like that. But, man, I really don't think if I see that hat, I'm going to go, oh, hey, look, one of those big, super pointy red mushrooms. Maybe they like, Maybe like all the gnomes came together. And just came up with this just wrong stereotype about humans. Or like, humans can't see red. <laughs> like, like red, human, anything with red on it, humans can no longer see it. It makes us invisible to them. But I, I don't know. I have a hard time. That, that's the only reference I've found to explain the hat. And not all, not all of them have the, like, super pointy hat. Sometimes they have the more kind of frumpy version yeah. of it. <laughs> but... I, I, I don't know how that's supposed to be camouflage, but it's supposed to be camouflage. But uh, are you familiar with Tommyknockers? Tommy, I know Bogarts. I don't know Tom. Wait. No, no, no. Wait. Tommyknockers, they're the things that knock in mind. I know these. These are mines. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I do know these. Yeah, this is a um, type of myth that's generally associated with uh, gnomes. And I'd even say Bogarts are not terribly far off. I think you could almost classify them as the same thing as gnomes. Mm -hmm. But um, Tommyknockers were the gnomes that lived in mines. Mm -hmm. And they, they were real capricious. Like, that seems to be kind of a theme in these stories. Yeah, they just screw with miners. Like, uh, sometimes they would collapse mine tunnel, tunnels intentionally. And sometimes they just knew a mine collapse was going to happen. 
But either way, they would start, um, and I believe this myth is originally from Scandinavia, but they would knock on the walls of the mines to warn the miners that, hey, everything's about to collapse in. And it started a tradition of them leaving food out for, um, for the Tommyknockers when they'd come to work in the mines. Mm -hmm. And then they, when they came to America, it became like a trend over here for a little bit to start leaving out offerings for the Tommyknockers. But the so, so wait, let me get this straight. So let me get this straight. So gnomes not only throw rocks, beat up the elderly, but they also blackmail miners. Yeah, more or less, yeah. What is wrong with these things? <laughs> well, let, Why is there so much hate in their tiny little hearts? Well, they're I, people. If they're that help, hateful, they just wouldn't tell people at all. Like they wouldn't give the warning at all. Gosh. I think it's I think it's more like go back to um some of the not this doesn't come from the oldest fairy tales, but kind of the, some of the middling fairy tales, where um, often fairies only had enough room in their heart to experience one emotion at a time. And that's what makes them such petty and puckish creatures. Um, I think it goes back to that sort of folkloric vein where they're generally kind of petty entities. And they'll <laughs> take And if you make them mad, they're 100% mad. And if you make them happy, they're 100% happy. It's just one emotion at a time and they go all in on it. And we're like, you know, and, and most things, it's so much easier to be negative than positive. But I, So they're probably just going to be mad all the time. They're just really capricious sort of creatures where sometimes they're going to help and save lives and sometimes they're going to collapse a mine. Mm -hmm. But also, like, uh, it spread beyond that. There were, uh, there were, like, types of Tommyknockers for other sort of careers. Like, the one that stands out to me the most is uh, there were ones that became shipfarers. <laughs> and, like, if there was a bad storm coming, they would knock on the deck and stuff like that. And they had, like, that sort of ability to remain elusive and invisible even on boats. Truthfully, I bet they're just doing that just to, like, save themselves. They're like, hey! Hey, there's a, there's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. You better not be seeing the ship. Gnomes can't swim. That makes way more sense. Like just, I didn't think about that angle. They're just being petty makes, to save themselves. Yeah, that makes so much sense that they're just like, hey, don't don't rock, don't crash the boat. Well, even with the Tommyknockers in the caves, maybe they just live in the caves, and they just they understand caves. And if you see miners like, you know, knocking on a support wall i guess in your mind you're like hey hey don't you be knocking on that wall you're gonna knock that you're gonna knock my home down but i the tommy knockers they were gonna warn if there was going to be a collapse not yeah. to warn someone from starting a collapse no they don't want to get they don't want the mind to collapse because it's their house no 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 when you're here when you hear the knocking from the tommy knockers mm -hmm. that means the the collapse is going to happen oh yeah that, that's not if you keep doing this is going to collapse so the knockers Okay. It's gonna happen. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> and it's just your warning to just go ahead and get the heck out of mine. Gotcha. Now, something else that makes sense for that is it might be the rocks cracking, getting ready to give way. So there, there, there could easily be a practical explanation for the Tommy Knockers. I don't know all about it. I've never worked in a mine, but that makes sense to me that it could be just you know the early stage of the uh, collapse beginning to happen. But either way, I, that carried the story. Uh, the miners' traditions carried the story to new places. I, I really want to, I really want to be there. Like back in the day when the first Scandinavian miners coming to America were working with the first um, American Indian miners that they were working with, and talking about these little people, and they're like, "Oh wait, no, man, we we know about yeah, it. Yeah, we, yeah, we no, no, we're, we're we're good, we're good. Okay." 
It's like, yeah, we we, we got him here. Yeah, I was like, they're like, when you when you knock, I was like, I was like, when you hear them knocking, the music a cave, get out. And the Native Americans are like, okay, don't go to this part of the woods because that's their part of the woods. Don't they usually hang out around rivers? And rivers and drag yeah. you in rivers. Like, don't go to the river because they'll drown you. Man, I I just do not want to see a bunch of little bearded people <laughs> jumping out of the woods and trying to drag me into the water. But just mean little buggers. And they're often described as having a certain degree of deformity as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like two feet tall. I, um, I definitely, there's, it's really weird. Like, it runs the gambit of, like, of what they actually look like. Because you'll see stories involving them having pointed ears. You'll see stories of them looking like straight up, like, World of Warcraft goblins that they're talking about and things, too. And sometimes with crooked teeth and... Giant bulb with he noses. It's it's weird. Like there's there's almost as many like ways that a that a gnome can look in most of these stories as much as like what a person can look like when you run into them. Once again, I'm gonna pull us back towards the direction of European folklore because I know that's so much better than South American folklore. And I know what their answer would be to this. It's the form of court they're from. The, the Seely and Unseely, or if you prefer the pronunciation, Shaley and Unshaley. As I understand, both pronunciations are correct. It depends on where who you're talking to and where you're at. Um, but, like, some, some of them are going to be associated with that night court, and they're going to look more disturbing. Some of them are going to be associated with that day court, and they're going to look more, like, uh, beautiful and traditionally uh, what you'd think from a fae folk. Well, no, in South America, it's a little more pragmatic. They just went with, oh, they can shapeshift. <laughs> they 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 streamlined that and simplified it like like they're all the same it's generally one type of thing they could just all look different because they can just shape shift and just look differently like i like i saw like one video and it was strange if, if any of them are going to be cgi like cgi hoaxes it would probably be this one because it was actually the only time i saw one a video of one in a house and it's like it's taking place in like a living room and you're you're looking at the house and all of a sudden you see what looks like kind of like a a black bar on on the floor and then it like gets up and it looks like the best way that i could describe it is the the like one of those worm guys from men in black but it's like black and it just takes off behind the tv behind the tv i was the same freaky. one i'm thinking of um i had seen one where uh, i think this one was on a kitchen floor and it's just this dark shape running but it was obviously a run cycle it, it was it was 100% a fake one, the one I'm thinking it, of. It may have been. I don't know if it's different. Are you trying to pop it up for me? Yeah, I was trying to pop it up to see if I could actually see. We're talking about the same one. Okay, it's hanging out there. See, it looks does look more like a living room, like what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just like all the other videos of these things. It's super grainy. It's hard to tell. But the thing's like so much thinner than most of the other videos involving these goblins. My Or gnomes, I apologize. My first thought is, this looks a lot like... I feel like I've seen a video very similar to this before. Um, I can't say definitely it's faked. There's some things. It has a it has a nice shadow to it. But it's so grainy, I can't really say. Mm-hmm. And again, you're just going to... You're just going to see that when you, if you try to go look up any sort of videos about these things. They're either just really, really grainy or they're just far away. At least the ones from South America, anyway. Okay. Are you familiar with the San Pedro uh, Mountain Mummy? I am not familiar with that. 
Okay, I'm going to give you the quick of it because I want to get into the discussion on this. Okay. Uh, back in uh, October 1932, these two miners were mining in Wyoming. And they ended up accidentally digging into a closed-off chamber. And in this small chamber was this very odd-looking small mummy, just uh, just about a, a foot and some change tall. And it's in this kind of meditative pose, and it's just totally uh, just mummified over time. And they took it out, and they're like, "Just what? What the heck is this thing going? Uh, that we got oh, here? Where is this at? You said what's it called? The San San, San Pedro Mountain Mummy. It's in Wyoming. Okay. So the two miners take it out, and people start to study it. And no one at that time was totally certain on what it was. And I'm going to show you a picture of this thing. And we'll put a photo of it. So you and guys can it was eventually X-rayed in because I'm showing markers of the picture next wow. to the X-ray. It looks a lot actually, like the grainy video footage of um the family in the living room when it takes off like if it's gonna look like it kind of looks like that a little bit um yeah i guess a little bit yeah um at least that shape of the body i'm sorry like like that shape and they do eventually find a second one in that same sort of area mm -hmm. uh but this this mummy floats around for a while it goes through a few different owners and eventually, science starts catching up with it, and they start to um, study, they get it x-rayed, and they end up determining that it's just the mummified corpse of an infant with a, let me make sure I'm saying this word right, anasymphalic uh, syndrome, where the cranium doesn't form correctly, and it ends up kind of in a collapsed state. And it's, it's a known birth defect. Okay. And when I was researching it, you, you're, I know you're that look you're giving me. You're giving me that... So why are you bringing it up here? Look. Okay, because okay, I was about to write this story off too. But then I found someone on a forum who pointed something out. The gnomes that, uh, the mythological gnomes that are associated with that area have this certain practice where if you are being kicked out of their group, their clan, whatever you want to call it, um, what they do is they take a club and they strike and collapse the bridge of the head. Mm -hmm. So it would create something looking very similar to that specific syndrome. I can't say for sure which one it is, but that's enough for me to go, that's enough of a mystery I wanted to talk about here with you guys. Because that brought it back into, into the fray. And as far as checking further into it, this artifact has effectively disappeared at this point. Uh, it, beca it became under ownership of someone in New York, and that person has done nothing with it and has just kind of disappeared. So we can't do any further testing on it. But, okay. One of my first thoughts is a hidden chamber makes sense for where you bury the disgraced. Okay. And it also kind of gives kind of a... I mean, again, these things live in caves out in there, so I'd assume that probably they would be buried where they live. And, and almost all folklore gnomes live in the mountains. They're living right. in the earth. That's one of the weird things that's just common among every culture. So what what do you, what do you think? Looking at it, it, it does kind of give me a, it does looking at it give me kind of a Fiji mermaid esque sort of vibe when I look at it a little bit. But so it's definitely I'm not a, it's not a gaff though. It's okay. death, we we know enough from the X ray. We can say this is not a gaff. And okay. for those of you guys who don't know what a gaff is. Uh, for example, like the Fiji mermaid, where you combine two taxidermies together, the taxidermy of a fish and a monkey to make a mermaid. But we, we can confirm this is not a gaff. Uh, the thing is, I don't know why you would... 
if you're gonna leave an infant somewhere, why you would leave it like in that position? Yeah, it's a very odd pose. And yeah. please, guys, just look in the show notes or look this up on um, on the internet so you know what we're talking about. It's a very peculiar pose. Yeah, like, and I think it, if this was just some random family living in the mountains or somewhere that's up there i think it would seem like it'd be kind of odd to leave it buried that way rather than just like you know supine like laying down like in a hole rather than it just sitting up unless you just left it here's another thing that i thought was odd yeah the miners didn't give a really good description of it in the story i was reading Mm -hmm. but it sounded like they weren't describing a hole Mm-hmm. It sounds like they're describing a tomb because mm-hmm. they're describing it had walls, it had dimensions, that this was something man-made, and then it was sealed up. And they just simply accidentally dug in. So they it. just found like a gnome prison? Maybe? That's kind of what I'm wondering. I'm not sure. And the description was <coughs> kind of like a tomb that the whole area was ro- seemed to have been intentionally rocked off. Okay. So here, I wanna, I'm want i going <laughs> to pose a different question to you, Tia. The whole thing that we've been describing about these like gnomes and what they do... You know, where they, like, are general tricksters and pranksters, and their general demeanor is to be mean to people, beat up old people. Well, what, in what, South America. In South America. What would you have to do to piss these things off? Now, that I'm not certain Yeah, of. to end up being, like, walled up in a tomb like that. Like Apparently, like... If that's what it, if that's what it, if that's what it is, if they're going to be, you know, if they're going to crush its head and, you know, get rid of it. I mean, like I said... I was about to just write this story off until I just read one thing and that pulled me back into it. And I'm like, we got to talk about this because this is just such an odd coincidence. And it's just such a such an odd sort of practice altogether. Mm -hmm. Like, I I hope you guys are looking at the picture right now. It does look like a baby with a hydrocephalic head. But at the same time, the whole thing's so very strange, guys. Wow, this is just. Oh, just strange stuff. All right, so what are your final thoughts on these gnomes? Whether it's the Argentinian gnome stuff or just gnomes in general, what are you, what's your final Man, thoughts? Man, this subject's... Okay, when you first look at this subject, it seems like it's going to be real surface. But it is so, so dense. There's a lot of stuff we didn't even get to today. We might have to talk about this again. Like, I was wanting to talk about the Togolosh, too. And so the stuff involving um, aboriginal gnomes. But, okay. One of the main things I look at for is this true is is it cross cultural? Because there's a there's a big connection between folk tales and culture and the oral tradition of those people. Either this is an oral tradition that's shared between you know Western Europeans and American Indians in South America, which seems very bizarre. Or there's some degree of truth to this. And that makes me think there's some... Even though this is a very outlandish and really out there concept, I think there has to be some truth to it. In every continent we have major human settlements on has an oral tradition involving these strange little people. And there's a lot of weird connections between them besides just the physical descriptions. Like, the damn gnome hat <laughs> pops up in way more cultures than it freaking should. I I almost want to come back to this. Or maybe like maybe we just talk more about this on some of our Patreon stuff or something. Because there's so much more we can dig into this. For me, I look at what are these gnomes doing. They seem to just be constantly harassing humans. 
why why does it why do they tend to come into conflict so much with humans well if these things are actually like woodland creatures whether that's just they just live in the wilderness or they're actual spirit entities of that that are just nature spirits if you look at humanity and what we do we go out and we change nature to fit our needs and sometimes our needs probably they're probably not going to be what the gnome needs they're probably going to be very different to that so i think that that's why humanity is often coming into conflict or interacting with these gnomes and that's why we have all of these stories i go back to talking about why in south america are there so many more aggressive and hostile ones and if you think about the rainforest and how magnificent and how beautiful it is and how much people we destroy every day almost 200,000 acres i would think that would infuriate something supernatural that lives in those in out in those woods so no wonder it's going to respond the way that it does i don't know but i agree definitely with vic there is something that is cro it is cross-cultural there are so many different people that are talking about seeing these sorts of things and i think that definitely is something that should be considered you know, I really never thought I would put gnomes in the kind of likely to be real category, or there, there's likely something to it. I mean, it's just it's just like giants. Every culture has a has, has a story involving giants. So on the other end of the spectrum with gnomes, they're you, there too. Do you think these are just as a closing thought? Do you think these are physical or spiritual entities? Physical. I really do. I think I think I think they're physical beings that live in the wilderness that we are coming into contact with. I liked what one person said. They said that there's not a solid answer to that. They're part of the spirit and they're part of flesh. Mm -hmm. And they're just kind of one foot in each area. And depending on the type of gnome you're meeting is going to determine how much they're one or how much the other. But we definitely want to get your guys' thoughts in the comments below. Make sure you guys give us some thoughts on what you guys think about the gnomes. And I know this was a kind of a really weird out there topic, guys. So let us know if you're liking some of this more oh, out yeah. there stuff. Oh, yeah. There's so much weird, weirder stuff we can talk about. Definitely let us know. But I think that about wraps up today's episode. Um, if you guys are wanting some more content, by the way, uh, go over to our Patreon and sign up for our, uh, uh, sign up to become a patron. You guys can get a whole full another 15 minutes uh, where we talk about something. Today, we're going to talk about uh, our investigation so far up in Leavenworth, Indiana. It's kind of cool. We have a, a building, some buildings out there that we were we investigated or begin to investigate uh, a this few is, days ago. Recent. This is going to be a, a ongoing investigation oh, yeah. too, guys. So we're going to talk to you guys about some of our uh, initial thoughts and initial uh, research that we've gotten so far from the area. So if you guys want to check that content out, make sure you go over to our patron, uh, Patreon and sign up to become a patron today. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. So, Leavenworth, Indiana. Or if you want to mispronounce it, Leavenworth, Indiana. This first came to our attention from Ricky, actually. For those of you that listened to the earlier episodes of the podcast... He turned us on to uh, a lock and dam up there in Leavenworth, Indiana, that I believe he was told to investigate Actually, by some other people. Uh, he was just asked to investigate yeah. uh, Leavenworth, Indiana, and we started doing the digging into it, and I found out about the lock and dam and a, some rumors of there being more than that. Actually, I think his original um, direction to be pointed was um, 
a old Indian burial ground, but we ended up finding this and wanted to look into this instead. So the town of the town of Leavenworth, Indiana, has two parts to it. There's like the new Leavenworth part, and then there's the old Leavenworth part. And the old Leavenworth part is built along the river. And for those of you that are not familiar with um, Ohio River history, <laughs> back in 1937, there was a massive flood that came through and destroyed. Um, Almost everything on the Ohio River. Yeah, and for those of you guys who are super veterans of our channel, uh, remember our thing on uh, Dogtown here yeah. in Evansville? That's the same flood that kind of ruined that area. Yeah. And the 1937 flood wrecks uh, Leavenworth, uh, Leavenworth, Indiana. Yeah.